0: I'm super delighted that you are joining us for the very second week of uh, the series that I'm calling Winning the Battle in Your Mind. And today we're going to talk just a little bit about what it means to rewire your brain. But first, I want to take a moment and just uh, let you know about an incredibly important event uh, that's going to happen uh, next weekend, a week from today, on October 24th at uh, 2.30 Pacific uh, time. We've reached out to the Surgeon General, U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Muthi, and asked him to appear live in a, a virtual event. And we're putting together a nationwide panel of religious leaders, and we're going to ask him some of the toughest questions we can come up with around the vaccines and all that surrounds the vaccines. You know, how do we know the vaccines are safe for our kids and for uh, pregnant mothers? How do we know it's safe for us, especially in light of the fact that more and more people are feeling forced? into having to take the vaccines? How do we know that the vaccines are safe? And how do we calculate or process into our thinking? The stories that we're hearing about, uh, you know, people who may be dying who are being vaccinated. Uh, The Surgeon General has agreed to show up to give us transparent, best, most honest answers he has with the latest uh, information. Uh, And so here's why it's important to you. Some of you are just trying to figure out what what is it? You know, what's the facts? You know, what's the best information so that you can make your best decisions? Others, you've already decided what you're going to do, but you want to know how to talk about this with your family members and loved ones and browbeating and shaming people is both ineffective and ungodly. Whatever side of the issues that you're on. So let's learn information, and be able to talk to our family and friends in a thoughtful kind of way. And then lastly, we're going to spend a little time talking about how to care for ourselves and one another in terms of our mental health, which is a huge part of what's going on uh, inside of this pandemic. So I want to encourage you, just point your phone at the QR code right here on the screen. I want you to go ahead and register today. You can register right now while we're getting ready to tee up this message. Or at the very end of this uh, message, you can go ahead and register When you register, you can also ask, uh, like, your most burning question. We're going to assemble all those questions. We're also going to create an opportunity for some questions to be asked live uh, during the actual experience uh, next weekend. So we're doing everything we can. We've got scores of churches and faith community. I think we're somewhere between 25 to 30 now that have signed on uh, that's going to partner with us all across the nation. We think that number will be closer to 50 uh, by the time of the actual event. So we're expecting tons of people to tune in. But wherever you are in the country or in the world, I want you to tune in. This is a subject that's relevant to you. All right. I look forward to seeing you next week. Now, let's turn our attention to uh, our scripture for the day as we uh, inside of our second week. This fascinating series. that I'm excited about teaching winning the the battle in our mind. And here's some uh, insightful uh, words that uh, the Apostle Paul writes Uh, inside of this uh, series. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Can somebody say divine power? To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments. And every pretension, every argument, every pretension, and the text ends by saying, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love this notion. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that so often we feel like we have been imprisoned by our own thoughts. But the reality is that God gives us the power through our relationship with Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll talk a little bit more about that a little further down the road in this message to literally take captive our thoughts. And, uh, and to put them in obedience to Christ. Look at that, to make it obedient to Christ. So What does that mean? In other words, this is what it means to me. It, it means that, that you want your thoughts to align with who Jesus says you are, not who your history says you are, not what your addiction says you are, uh, not what the mistakes of yesterday say that you are. No, 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 no. Not what your brain is telling you that you are. No, what Jesus, who Jesus says you are. You want to align your thinking there. Now, when we think about what does that mean, uh, we need to recognize that uh, what the, the here, here's what the writer Proverbs says. <laughs> you know, he says, so a person thinks, so that person is. It is the suggesting that our thinking can be changed. What scientists tell us is that our thinking can be changed because the, uh, our brains are made with a plasticity. And that oftentimes in our growing up years, that horrible things happen to us and causes our brain to, to, to misfire or shapes the plasticity of the brain in a negative direction. And that creates, uh, allows our brain to produce all these negative thoughts Another way of talking about it is uh, it creates a means for the enemy to keep telling us who we're not, as opposed to hearing God declare who we are. And so if plasticity in the brain uh, can be influenced by negative stuff, then the plasticity in the brain can be influenced by positive stuff, hence this notion that I'm talking about today in terms of rewiring your brain. As we think about what Paul will say later on, I'll talk about it, renewing your mind, that begins with this notion of rewiring my brain. Now let me just share with you a fascinating story, and I think it is a wonderful picture, kind of the neurological reality that helps you to get Uh, get your mind around how this whole plasticity brain thing works. Just a little bit right here in the biblical text. There's a great story in 2 Kings chapter 3, fascinating story. Uh, The king of Israel, Judah, uh, and Edom decide to team up and go after their major uh, nemesis, the Moabites. And they travel for about seven days, and they end up in a a valley where a drought has uh, been severe. There's no water for the armies or the animals. People are beginning to, uh, in a sense, uh, thirst to death. And so the cry goes out, is there a word from the Lord? I love that cry, right? Whenever you're in the valley, and you don't know what's going on. The cry of your soul ought to be, is there a word from the Lord? And so it turns out that the prophet Elijah was nearby and, and they asked the prophet, is there a word from the Lord? And after a little time of 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 kind of worship music being played. If you read the text, you'll see what I'm talking about. Out of a space of prayer, he declares, yeah, there's a word from the Lord. Here's what the Lord's saying to tell you. Dig ditches all over the valley. Here's what will happen. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain. But this valley is going to fill up with water. You did the ditches. The valley is going to fill up with water. And your army and your animals will drink their fill." This is easy for God to do, he says. And by the way, God will also hand over the Moabites Moabites to you. It's the reading. So you got to think about the repetitive action that takes place as the people get out and they start digging ditches. Over the evening, you can imagine them digging through the night and they go to sleep. The next morning they wake up and suddenly those ditches that are scattered all over the valley are full of water. In the meantime, the Moabites knew that they were under attack and they had mobilized as many people as they could. And so they woke up that morning standing on the hill. They looked down at the valley, thinking about the most strategic way to attack the enemies. And they saw these, these, this, these, these ditches or trenches full of water. <laughs> and here's, uh, here's what it says about, about their thinking. It says, so they were up and ready early in the morning when the sun rose over the water. And from where the Moabites stood, notice that. From where they stood, the water reflected in the sun looked, looked red like blood. So, from this false perception flowing <laughs> out of these trenches that had been dug, came a false conclusion. Here's what it says here's what it says Blood, look at the blood, they said. The kings must have fought each other. And a bloody massacre must have taken place. Oh, it's safe, they're suggesting. Let's go for the loop. Go, Moab, let's go. And so they rushed down on the, on the Israeli camp. And then this is what the writer says happens. When, the Moab, when Moab entered the camp of Israel, the Israelites were up on their feet, killing Moabites right and left, the Moabites running for their lives, Israelites relentless in pursuit, and a slaughter took place. So let me just ask you very quickly. Doesn't this sometimes feel like uh, your thoughts that constantly assault you, leave you behind, or slaughtered? I want to go back. Let's look at why that might, why that, why, why that might be the case. But just before I do, let me just tell you a quick story. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey shares in his book, You're Not Your Brain, a a fascinating story, a true story about one of his clients. Her name is Sarah. She's a 29-year-old public relations specialist who struggles with feelings of depression and perfectionism. And the way that manifests in her life is that at the end of a given day, she may look back over her conversations and recognize that in her conversation with her boss, for example, or with a dear friend, that midway there might have been a pause in the conversation. And right there, her mind gets stuck on that pause. Her anxiety rises. She finds herself in a cycle of a variety of thoughts of, of what, what could she have said, what was it that she did that was offensive. And she, before she knows it, she's, she's spinning out scenarios of, of uh, what, what may emerge as a result of something offensive that she must have said, she must have done, and it goes on and on, until she, she's totally exhausted. And she wakes up feeling uh, sick in her stomach. She feels depressed. She feels despairing. And this kind of situation happens all the time. With her family, with her friends, with her colleagues, she overpersonalizes. That which is small becomes big for her. That which doesn't exist, meaning uh, she hears them saying what they didn't say, she sees what's not there. What's really going on with her? Well, but science tells us that whatever's happening, it's, it's built into the physiology of how her brains work, that something must have happened in our history that causes her brain to misfire and they're sending false messages. Well, let's go back and look at the text and see what we can learn about how this, how this might look from a spiritual standpoint. rewiring the brain. Number one, notice that in the story that I read for you, there was the digging of the ditches. They dug ditches all over the valley. Now, in order to dig those ditches, there were just these repeated actions that took place. You've got to break the ground. You've got to shovel the dirt. You've got to remove the rocks, break the ground, shovel the dirt, remove the ox. These repeated actions, and suddenly those repeated actions produced ditches all across the valley. If you could stand up on the hilltop, you see all these ditches across the valley, deep ditches. Oh, that's a wonderful picture of what happens for us neurologically when it comes to certain repeated actions. For example, you get angry, uh, and when you get angry, you yell and you drink. You get angry, you yell, and you drink. Are you feeling insecure? And so when you feel insecure, you eat ice cream, candy, chips, <laughs> honey buns, donuts, <laughs> Or you feeling like your life is out of control? You sit at the computer and you start spending money. You're ordering from Amazon, and two or three days later, packages show up in your house that you don't open for two weeks, and your your, your credit card bill is 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 uh, adding up. Packages that you don't really need. And these repeated actions, you know what they're doing? They're causing neurological, I won't call them trenches that are being built uh, that are being dug across. The valley of your mind. That's what the scientists tell us. And notice what happens. The ditches ditches were were dug. Neural pathways or thought patterns emerged. That's another word for those ditches. Right? And then there's a filling up with water. Now, of course, theologians tells us that probably there was a flood that had started up west and had started its way down. And they dug the ditches, didn't know what was taking place in the morning. And the natural process that God had started, fill those trenches with water, naturally. Well, the trenches that are dug in your mind, they naturally fill up. You know what they fill up with? Deceptive messages and sensations. Deceptive messages. You know, you're, you're, you're feeling insecure, so the message says you're hungry, you're craving, you got to get some donuts, you're feeling angry, so the message says the only solution for this is for you to yell and then get something to drink. You know, you're feeling insecure, the message says that the only the solution for you is to spend some money. And, and then you, you get a temporary relief, and then all of a sudden you, what you thought was going to be fixed isn't fixed. And then those voices come, says you're, you know, how could you? You're weak, you're ineffective, you're an idiot, you're a loser. And you feel these sensations, right? These sensations that come, depression, headaches, uh, pain in the pit of your stomach. Sometimes you can barely get out of bed and so forth and so on. These sensations, that's what the psychiatrists call them. And then notice the illusion in the text, that's created by false perception. Did you, did you hear me when I read the text? And it says that like when the Moabites got up that morning, they looked down on the valley, all those trenches full of water because of where they were standing. Did you get that? From where they were standing, their experience, come on, impeded. What they perceived, the experience was that the sun bounced off of the water and it made it look like it was blood. And based on that false perception, they drew a faulty conclusion that led to actions that ultimately led them to their destruction. They, they attacked the camp feeling like everybody had already destroyed themselves. They were convinced of it, only to find out that reality was not an accurate reality. And it ultimately destroyed themselves, decisions that led to destructive behavior. You know, that, that, that works itself out in our lives. Here's how psychiatrists talk about it, for example. They call it a cognitive bias, a thinking bias. Here's the definition. A subjective reality created from a false input. <laughs> the subjective reality that the Moabite's fault was that uh, the, the, the army, the Israelites had attacked themselves, but the input was false. The water was not full of blood. It was just the reflection of how they saw the sun. Let me give you another very kind of uh, practical example of what this looks like. Let's say you're on your way to a party, and just when you get outside of the door, your friend who's with you stops you and says this, I just want you to know before we go in that everybody in there, they think you're an idiot. Don't worry, I'm with you. Let's go. (laughs) You go in. I just want you to know that that statement, that input has just shifted how you're going to experience everything that happens on the other side of that door. You know, the guy who takes your friend coat but forgets to take your coat. You're going to assume the reason they forgot it is because they think you're an idiot. The people standing over in the corner whispering and laughing. You're going to assume they're whispering and laughing at you. are looking at this idiot. Your friend who, who uh, told you that he was going to leave a little early, not the one who came with you, but another friend that you saw there, you conclude he's leaving early because you don't want to be seen with an idiot. So you sit down at the, at the bar where there drinks and, and you're full of so much guilt. Uh, the, the, the You feel pain in your your stomach, you're feeling, the, you feel shame, you feel naked, you feel vulnerable, and then finally, after about three hours, you stagger out with your buddy on your way home, and just when he stepped outside, he says, oh, by the way, you know the thing I told you about everybody that ever thinks you're an idiot? <laughs> Psych. <laughs> I was just teasing. <laughs> Nobody thought the same. Nobody thought that. Do you see? Uh, everything that you thought was true was false because of the input that you he had <laughs> The guy who forgot your coat wasn't thinking about you he was rushing to grab another coat the the, the folk who were talking and laughing and whispering over the corner was talking about their kids in an athletic game the previous day you know the, the guy that your friend had to leave earlier he had a date has nothing to do with you, and yet the feelings of vulnerability and shame and guilt—all those things were real, but they were based on a false input. That's why psychiatrists says you should call them sensations. That's the brain. Some people saying uh, misfiring. Well, cognitive bias. So. When we talk about renewing our minds, what we're really talking about is rebooting our brain in a really practical kind of way. Look at let's look at let me show you what the what, what here's one of the famous texts Paul writes about renewing the mind, and we see this all the time. Says, "Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by change." It didn't just say, "Change your thoughts." Changing the way you think, the, 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 the patterns of your thinking. Uh, so often we focus on behavior, focus on, how, you know, how do I break that behavior addiction? But what we really got to do is change the pattern behind our thinking. You know, when Sarah got into counseling and was trying to figure out what is it that kept her depressed and despairing, and why is it that she was over personalizing and impacting our her relationships with her friends and so forth and so on and she started thinking and at first she says you know if what you're saying about me is that you know i'm a perfectionist and you know i feel like i can't be loved unless i'm doing things perfect says, that doesn't make any sense i are you suggesting that comes out of my history? I don't have a history like that. I didn't have an abusive childhood. Everybody was fine. Put your finger right there. You know, Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 16 and 15, uh, both of those chapters, he talks about the fact that he's getting ready to leave prior to his crucifixion, but he's going to send back something he calls your advocate. The word can be translated counselor and encourager. I love it, But this notion of advocate, as a matter of fact, the, the guy who, who writes You're Not Your Brain uses this notion, wise advocate. I don't think he's thinking about it spiritually. I don't know where he is or not, but it's perfect. Right. It's, it's, it's wonderful. It, it, here's the thing that those of us who have Jesus in our lives, uh, we have the power of a wise advocate that helps us to distinguish what is false from what is True, It is is part of the divine power that is is not earthly that God gives us so that we we can distinguish our true selves, what God calls us, who he calls us to be, from what our brain tells us that we are. And even if you're not a Christian, I believe that wherever there's healing at work in your life, in your psyche, that it is the spirit of God that is at work. And so as Sarah began to think about it, I think the spirit of God uncovered her challenge, and she remembered. At six years old, she was with her brother and her family. They had all gotten the ice cream cones. She was sitting at the picnic table, and her ice cream fell off her cone onto the ground accidentally. Her brother began to laugh and point at her and say, "You're just a pathetic loser." And rather than her mom. Uh, encouraging her and going to get her more ice cream. And mom says, you know what? We're not going to buy you any more ice cream because you should have been more careful with that. And we want to teach you that in the future, you've got to be careful, more careful. And she had forgotten about it, but that drama that happened at six years of age it was, was, was what was hidden behind that voice that she would often hear that constantly called her a loser after she went through her anxiety cycles. The brain at that moment started to misfire and she started to feel like, I've got to be perfect in order to be loved. Wow. We we'll just spend some time asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what needs to be healed in your brain. And notice here, the writer Paul, he says, listen, God does the work of transforming by changing the way we think. Wow. OK, now, now how do we partner with God in this work? OK, somebody shout rewire. Come on, shout rewire. OK, here it is. You got to relabel, replace and repeat. Relabel. Here's what Sarah had to learn. That every time she found herself going into that anxiety cycle, she had to, she had to relabel that. She had to recognize what it was. It was, it, it was a false message that she was reacting to. It, 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 it was, maybe you wanted to say what I called it last week. It was a, a lie that she was reacting to, right? It was, oh uh, you may call it this, it was, it was, a, it was a part of her broken st- story that was trying to seduce her. It was the tempter that she was reacting to. And she had to label it as such. And when she labeled it as such, then she could move into replacing her previous behavior with a new behavior by leaning into what's true as opposed to what's false. And then she repeats that action again and again. Said another way, practically, you got to write it, think it, confess it. Say it with me. Write it, think it, confess it. That's right. Write it, think it, and confess it in this context. Now, I'm back to where I ended up last week. Next slide. This exercise. You guys remember this exercise from last week, if you were with us last week. By the way, if you missed last week's message, definitely go check it out. Uh, the, the website is right here on the screen where you can do that. You remember what Craig Cushel suggested? Figure out what that lie is, right? The part of your brain that's misfiring. Write it out. Find Scripture, you remember, uh, we learn uh, that uh, in Hebrews, the writer tells us that the word of God is alive, that it is living divine power. And it cuts between the bone and the marrow, that it, it reveals what is true. And so, so, you know, here's the lie. Let me let me Google some scriptures that address that lie. And then let me take the truth of that word. Come on now and build it into a declaration that I'm going to declare. Now, I told you this last week, but I just spent time in this message telling you the why behind why this works, right? The mechanics behind why this works. is it's this process of if I if I dug neurological trenches through repeated behavior that was the result of negative stuff happening, I can redig new neurological trenches by repeating positive God-filled behavior under the guidance and the empowerment of God's spirit in my life. You see, I can be a part of partnering with God to rewire my brain. You can too. Let me get, I mean, I'm i going to end it here. Craig Crischel tells a story about how he grew up struggling with money. His grandmother told him how uh, she grew up through the depression, just created with him this incredible fear of, of, uh, of, you know, waking up without money. And so even as he became successful and 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 you know, earning a, a more than a comfortable living, he still squeezed every dollar. He still made sure that when his family went to the restaurant, they were ordering the cheapest stuff on the on the menu. One day, he wanted to take his daughter out for a birthday celebration. And so he took her out for a birthday celebration. And uh, there at the table, he said to her, get anything you want on the menu. This is all about celebrating you. She looked at him with tears in her eyes. And she said, Dad, I can't. He says, why not? I'm telling you, you can't. He says, no, Dad. We can't afford it. And in that moment, Craig realized that his broken perception that he had carried throughout his life about waking up one day without money when he had tons of money, his stuff had become her stuff. He said at night he couldn't sleep. And so he got up and he started, you know, he started looking through Scripture. What did God have to say to him about money? And he read the Scripture where Paul declared uh, that God is able to provide uh, for your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You know, he, he said he, he, he read this scripture that declared, as the writer of prophet Isaiah declared, that God declared that I have called you and I will take care of you. you know, and he just read scriptures like that. It's, the scripture said it is more blessed to give than to receive. There are other scriptures about how God blesses generosity. And then he wrote a confession he says essentially that, you know, I declare that, that, that I will not worry about money. I will trust God as and for the riches that he will provide for me according to, to Jesus Christ in my life. And I and I will be radical in my generosity. I declare it. And Craig says that he can look across the, 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 the valley of his life. Right. And where there have been where there have been trenches. Neurological trenches of negative thinking and negative behavior. He has built confessions for each one of those. And he wakes up and as he moves through his life, he makes those confessions. Declare it. It takes us back to here's the key. You know, I'm going to write it. I'm going to think it. I'm going to confess it. I challenge you. Where is your, what's your strongest reoccurring thought? What does God's word have to say to address, to bring the truth to bear? And and I want to challenge you today, write a confession about that. And then over the next couple of days, begin to declare it. I'll just tell you one other thing. Not only do I write it, think it, and declare it, sometimes I sing it. Oh, yeah. It's awesome when you can find a song that really declares the truth of God because there's something powerful about singing that sinks into your spirit. I'm I'm an old school guy and I love the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. And I find myself working through that that, that verse that that talks about after being buffeted by Satan, uh, I can still declare, It is well with my soul. I can hear Fred Hammond playing that beautiful song that he shaped out of scripture a number of years ago. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I declare it. Oh, yeah. Write it. Think it. Confess it. And sing it. Partner with God. Rewire that brain. And renew your mind. I'll see you next week. So are you ready to take the challenge, the challenge of partnering with God in the process of rewiring your brain so that he can help renew your mind? Well, you're ready to take the challenge. I want to, I want to encourage you to uh, point your camera on your phone to the QR code right here. It's going to take you directly to the connection card and look for a section that's simply labeled as next steps with Jesus. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, this can be the day that you decide to make Jesus Lord and redeemer of your life and your destiny. That is the best next step towards allowing God uh, to partner with you to rewire your brain and renew your mind. Do that today. Take that step now so that Jesus can begin to speak into your life who he's called you to be. There are some other options there as well. I encourage you to consider those now. Take out your phone, take a picture of this response to the message. It's a prayer I want you to participate in over the course of this week. Come on, just read it with me now. God, help me to recognize deceptive messages and false sensations. Pray this prayer throughout the week. Look for what God shows you. And then take a picture of this reflection question that I want you to wrestle with. In what ways are the pains from my past seducing me into believing My brain's deceptive messages. Come on now. I want you to wrestle with that. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal some stuff to you.